0: Good evening and welcome to television.
1: Hey there, folks. You are listening to Televised Revolution, our final discussion of all things TV and televisual. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm joined here by the loyal, the, I don't know, the standard panel. Uh, we've got Dennis Gigantic and Simon Band. Dennis Gigantic, my friend, how are you doing, sir? I'm weeping. It's such a sad day.
0: Uh, you know, but then it's, it's, it's also reflective. Let's put it that
1: way. <laughs> It is, isn't it, uh, Simon Band? Are you well?
0: I'm
2: very well. I'm. I'm also reflective, contemplating the uh, the podcast as it's been, and uh, thinking. You know, you've assembled this panel, but not on like skill or expertise, just on like <laughs> attendance levels. Like nobody's really played hooky. so it's the panel you get.
1: Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. I mean, if we think about how this panel really came to be, uh, Simon, you just walked into the studio one day. I said, hey, Simon, do you want to stick around? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then Dennis, who I've known for many years prior, just walked in and started doing it. You made me do it. (laughs) I'm not sure that was ever true.
2: No, Dennis was dragged in because you're like, oh, I can't do talking and pressing buttons at the same time. Dennis, can you come in and press buttons? You know about computers.
1: I don't know, I think he just started coming in, we gave him something to do.
2: Oh, that could be true too. No, uh, yeah, because I was doing the show after Televised Revolution, and I just burst in on air when you were talking about something and corrected you, and uh, the rest, they say, is history.
1: Yeah, because this was a radio show at a point.
2: Yeah, well, we should you had say to that. go to a physical place and be strapped to microphones.
1: Yeah, and if people haven't really quite worked this out yet, this is the final episode of Televised Revolution. Wait, we're bringing this show to an end.
2: Wait, what? That's the first (laughs) I'm hearing of this.
1: How awkward. Uh, Yeah, so we are bringing the program to an end. Uh, TelevisedRevolution.com, our website, that'll keep on going, and there'll be things coming through on that. Probably with a bit more regularity, because I'm going to have some more spare time where I'm not putting out the podcast. Uh, So, yeah, so check out the website. That's going to stick around. There'll be an email news list soon that people can sign up to as well, and that'll be closely tied in with the futures. Ah, uh, but yeah. So professional reasons mean that I had to say goodbye to the podcast, and the likelihood of Simon actually editing this thing every week was slim to none. It, so here we it are. It was
2: none. It was none. <laughs> Too negative. None. Like it was not a possibility.
0: Can I just? Yeah. yeah, just put And in now. then we just let Dennis know. True. Can I just put in now. Yeah. Can we all now put in our diaries? Twenty-one years from this date, that we have a we come back together and do a. Twenty one year special, you know, the full of nostalgia, time to kick in. Everyone, open up your calendars, twenty one years
1: to the date. That's a good idea. At what time? We should probably decide on that now. let eh, just make it eight o'clock.
2: Oh, that's about- time. Sorry guys, I'm I'm busy then.
1: Yeah, what if we make it
0: like eight fifteen?
2: Oh, that'll be good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm free then.
0: Okay. Yeah. Can everyone on the podcast, all three of you, plus the two people listening, please put on your diary. <laughs> For when, when's it 20 years from now? I kind of even cack. I've got to that out
2: myself. Well, you take the year and you just add more to it. So yeah. it would be that, like, 20 years, 21 years would be, you know, 2037. Uh, 30,
0: 30, so 2037 on the 17th of October. It's just going to be Simon waiting for us to call in and then no one's there. But still, put in your diary. Yeah. You're going to be, like, 64 years old then, Dennis. 64? Really? No, actually, I'll be 66. But anyway. You'll be
1: 66. Really? I'll be 66. Okay. Well, we'll wait for Dennis to start doing the math on that and realize that I just called him really old, but we'll move on. Yeah. Anyway, guys, usually on this program, what we do is we discuss the week of TV news or we discuss the TV shows that we've been watching. Uh, But rather than doing that, because it is the final episode, we're basically going completely off book and we're going to dedicate this program to us. But rather, what we're going to do is instead of just the sort of uh, wank fest that I think we're all hoping it would just be- Uh, Instead, I thought maybe we'd look at TV contextualized within the time period that we've been doing it. Because if you think about the years of 2006 through to 2016, because we have been doing this for 10 ridiculous years, if you think about that time period, TV, as we know it, has undergone a dramatic shift. So we saw the um, embedding of uh, TV digital multi-channels. We've seen, uh, I guess, torrenting really uh, really take hold in Australia and become a dominant way that many people are watching TV. Uh, We've seen the rise of SVOD services. We've seen uh, things like Apple iTunes really sort of uh, embedded quite deeply. Uh, DVD box sets were a huge thing for a while. We've been doing this show. We've seen a lot of shifts in television. YouTube. And I thought maybe we should sort of discuss that. Um, So, Dennis, let's go with you first. Uh, When you started doing this, and you were with us kind of pretty early in. Yep. um, And sorry, before we sort of backtrack here – Um, I should probably just say that this actually started as a podcast pre-Simon, pre-Dennis, and it was actually a guy named Chris Yates. Uh, So, both of us did about 10 or 11 episodes, I think. As I recall before, we went into doing it as a radio show, and that's where Simon came in. So, it's probably just a bit of a tip of the hat to Chris Yates, because he's a good guy, and he'll probably be listening to this at a later date. Probably not in the next year or two, he'll just stumble across MP3 and start listening. But anyway, tip of the hat to Mr. Chris Yates. But yeah, Dennis, let's get back to you. Uh, did you really sort of foresee much change in TV over the next 10 years back 2006? Did you think TV would be much different 10 years on? Did uh, I think it would be much different? I knew there was a change coming. What was it going to be? That was a story. That's the, you know, fill in this gap here. Did you think the internet would be playing as big a role in the way that we watch TV as we did back then? Um, maybe not to the extent that I thought it would be. Like, if
0: we, st- if we look at 2006, you know, I, do we see this the rise of YouTube at that point there? So that's sort of the start, more or less, of people watching video, obviously getting bandwidth with things like that. Um, it was hard to predict, you know, back then when we didn't have the technology to actually do all these services. Now you think back going, well, that's crazy because it's just happening. You know, people are sticking all the different services available online, streaming, YouTube. You know, well, contextualising YouTube, YouTube launched in February two thousand and five. Yeah, well, there you go. That's, that's pretty much in our um, in our ten year period. Yeah, from that Very much so. So yeah, um, so yeah, so especially that, and especially when um, uh, YouTube was um, uh, was it Time magazines' uh, person of the year was you? Remember that? Was it what two years ago? <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, so all that type of stuff like that, and that's true. You you see all that that content now being created by no ones, and yet people are still drawn to it, like PewDiePie, all that type of stuff like that. That's just insane how that, all that content's now been created. Is it good content? Well, that's the jurors out there. People are watching it, and people are getting paid a lot of money to what uh, to create that stuff.
1: Yeah, what about you, Simon? So, 10 years ago, did you really think TV would be as uh, online streaming as we're seeing it? Did you even think of what a stream might be?
2: Um, look, probably not, only because the internet that I had 10 years ago, you know, you could you could download some real media files of episodes of Daria, um, but I, you couldn't kind of go, yeah, I'm going to have a high-definition... Or ultra high definition stream into my house on demand of thousands of titles. Because if you'd have said that, you'd have been called a madman and locked up uh, potentially. Like it wasn't, it wasn't within what you could imagine with what was in front of you. Uh, so I guess when we Look, first I, started, I, I think-
1: actually don't think it was that. I don't think it was that far outside of the realm of possibility. So I think uh, when I first started downloading TV shows, like that was through. I usually threw IRC channels and having to get it from weird FTP services, but that was like 2001, because I remember getting episodes of 24 and widescreen at that stage. Use it. So, by 2005, I'd say it was probably a fairly sophisticated distribution method. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the large uh, torrent server around at the time. I think Supernova was the name of it. Hmm. Like, that was one of the big guys before that got shut down and then the Pirate Bay kind of took off from there. Yeah, but before well, that,
0: we had all those peering services, like what was that company?
1: Napster. Yeah, although that was the MP3s, it wasn't really video. No. But there were a few services that um, did video as well. Like so. a
2: Morpheus, wasn't it? Morpheus? Morpheus I want to Lime
1: Morpheus. LimeWire. LimeWire is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, more innocent time.
2: Yeah, and there were things like that, and you know, you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm pirating stuff," and you're like, "Oh, but what if you get caught?" No, no, no. I'll just like install Peer Guardian or whatever the equivalent was. Then I'm bulletproof. Um, so just like there was, you know, a sexual revolution that was kind of ruined by uh, transmitted diseases, um, this kind of digital <laughs> yeah. revolution's been killed by the disease of metadata. So, uh, you know, it's it's always the fall after the bliss.
1: (laughs) Very much so. Now, this show actually predates the Nintendo Wii, just to contextualise things a bit more. Now, the Nintendo Wii, when that came out, I remember putting up a story on the televised revolution.com site, and it was kind of the epiphany that I had with that, which was maybe sort of anticipating seeing the rise of streaming video to an extent. Because I remember when you... There was some sort of video you could watch when you signed into their store for the first time, I think. Mm. And it was like a streaming video that came through. And I looked at that and I wrote an opinion piece, which was, you know, if Nintendo can do this here, why wouldn't we be getting television to stream through? TV on demand delivered that way. And then a couple of years later, we saw Netflix come through and, you know, the sort of realisation of that idea. But like that was the first time I really saw sort of streaming video come through on a connected TV device. Mm.
0: i guess one of the biggest all well, we've always had that notion of that the computer was always going to merge into the lounge room and it took a while for that to actually occur to trying to get the actual computer into the lounge room it's always been i guess um to the nerds We've always had those functionalities but to the mainstream didn't have the functionality cast all your way now to the, today now you got you know netflix all that type of stuff like that pushing from your ipad to your tv and that sort of mainstream stuff that's happening now and people are using that technology you know, cramcast things like that.
1: Yeah, it's kind of exciting. And then, yeah, so I guess we sort of fast forward to today where I just want to ask, what's the dominant way you watch TV now? I know I asked you this question probably about a year ago, but I'm not sure if things have really changed much for you. Dennis, how do you primarily watch the, I mean, all you ever talk about is YouTube videos, but I know you actually watch proper TV as well. But predominantly, what are you watching and how and through what? I want to say within the last, say, six months,
0: my habits have changed. In terms of free-to-air TV broadcast, um, my YouTube, you know, my streams and things like that, um, I am doing it on my phone a lot um, mm-hmm. now because you can actually get in Channel 9 streaming, Channel 7. Um, not that I watch a lot of it, but it's more than what I had done before. And it's allowed an easier access, especially on the go. And then all my other streaming things like you know, Netflix, things like that. Yeah, my, um, my phone has become one of my um, major hubs of entertainment now.
1: Yeah. Um. So, are you actually watching on your phone, or are you doing it uh, just you know streaming it to your phone and then putting it on Chromecast over to so it's telly? Um.
0: I would say that the beginning year, it's been more to Chromecast, but then lately, it's been actually more watching it on my actual phone. Just in the last yeah. say couple of months, it's, my tablet's
1: changed. Can't pinpoint why, but it has changed. And considering your old man eyesight, like, that's quite a feat. Uh, Simon, how are you watching TV most of the time?
2: Well, I was going to say, you know, PlayStation and Chromecast, either from my phone and sometimes, you know, computer-sourced material sent to the telly through the Chromecast. But I was actually remembering when we were in the studio back in the radio days in 2010, where a certain Dan Barrett bought in this weird square, and he's like, this is an iPad. And I'm like... What the hell's an iPad? And then you showed me a car racing game you steered where you moved the screen from side (laughs) to side. And actually, that's another big thing where the iPad was a big game changer as well. And I guess I do watch a lot of television on my iPad.
1: Yeah. Uh, My TV watching, I don't think it's really changed in terms of uh, distribution and the way I consume it all that much maybe in like the last three or four years. Where so much of a. I kind of got onto Netflix and some international streaming services kind of early in, and largely I've kind of stuck with it. There isn't really much that's different. Uh, The Apple TV 4 kind of really uh, sort of upshifted the way that I watch TV and engage with, I guess, a breadth of overseas services. So I've got a TV Everywhere subscription for US cable. So there's a lot of just cable networks I tap into and watch programs sort of legitimately through those means, because heaven forbid, I wait, you know, however long it is till we get it in Australia. Um, So I do a fair bit of stuff that way. But I mean, it isn't fundamentally that different to what I was doing. But during the week, like this very week, I actually had my, the same way I had the epiphany with the Nintendo Wii, you know, 10 years ago, I had another epiphany this week. And really, it was through two different platforms. The first one is I discovered how important I think platforms like Twitter are going to be to TV distribution. So the one thing I've been particularly impressed with in the last sort of week or so is they signed a deal very recently with Bloomberg. And what they do is there's a couple of TV shows on Bloomberg, like very specialty shows that are outside of their standard to ticker um, stock results and stuff coming through. Uh, they've got a politics show called, and I can never remember the name of it, um, With All Due Respect, and there's a technology show as well that I know they've got the partnership with. And so, when these programs are being broadcast live to air on Bloomberg, you can actually click on their Twitter account and, like, a tweet will come out saying, oh, all thing, uh, With due, All Due Respect is broadcasting now. You click the link on it. And it takes you through a page on Twitter where at the top of the screen, you can watch a live stream of the program as it's going out. And then you can see the Twitter feed underneath that's dedicated to that program. And it just really sort of struck me as the way that Twitter itself is moving towards becoming a TV platform itself, but with a lot more user engagement. So while the actual tweets coming through were not really connected exactly with what was happening on screen, like there was no direct response from the people broadcasting live there was still the fact that you could join along with all the other viewers at the time and you'd be participating that way. It was taking the hashtag to like that next evolution as to what that's really all about. And I thought that was kind of interesting the way they have structured that out. But then the further extent, uh, ex- extension of that is on Apple TV and a few other connected TV platforms. They've got a Twitter video app now. So, you can go to Twitter TV and you press the button, you don't see tweets coming through, but rather the live engagement you have with Twitter is being realized in TV there. So there's a few Periscope, uh, like notable Periscopes taking place at any given moment, and you can watch them, or they've got the various TV shows they may be offering, and can watch that through the platform. So you kind of lose out on the tweeting, but you can do that from your mobile handset anyway. But it just seemed interesting that Twitter are uh, taking themselves from that step, away from just being about the 140 characters And really, it's just about live experiences through a platform called Twitter being delivered in one form or another. And that was kind of fascinating. But the other one, which I think is maybe more of an evolutionary step, is I watched TV in the last few days in the world of virtual reality. And that blew my mind. Now, Simon, you know exactly what this platform is because we've discussed this on the show before. I was watching it on Hulu. Do you want to explain to people what a Hulu VR app does, if you remember?
2: I do. The um, the Hulu experience when you're using a virtual reality headset is that you're in, I believe, a log cabin. And in that log cabin, there is a television that you can watch Hulu on, uh, I believe, in standard definition.
1: Now, you've confused that, actually, with the Netflix VR oh, experience. I? What's the Hulu one, then? Okay, so Netflix does exactly what you were saying. Hulu is very similar But Hulu, okay, first of all, Netflix isn't available for the PlayStation VR, which is what I've been using. Uh, The only one there is Hulu so far. And what Hulu does is you put on the headset, turn the power on, you see the Hulu logo sort of swimming around. And then when it goes to load up the screen that you'd ordinarily see for Hulu, instead you find yourself in a fairly swanky uh, New York style apartment. It's very fancy. It looks very Don Draper in a lot of ways. Uh, modern day John Draper, obviously. And you've got a few options. So, you can be in that apartment, you can press a button and it can take you to the beach. Uh, you can press another button, it will take you to a proper movie theatre. And I think there's a fourth option, I forget what that was. And within each option as well, the background, so you'd be able to, if you're in, a new, in the apartment comp- uh, building, the apartment, you know, room, uh, you could see in the background like a skyline, but then you can press another button, it can be like snowing snow, uh, falling snow, Uh, You can press another button and uh, there's something else going on. So, it kind of lets you change the mood and the overall vibe of the room that you're in. But ostensibly, you're sitting there in a large apartment with a huge giant TV right in front of you. And you press play on whatever it is you want to watch on Hulu. And suddenly, that's on your big TV. So, what it's doing is taking you away from the, you know, 40-inch TV that you might have in the house or 55 inches or 65. And it's giving you a much bigger TV screen. And it doesn't really feel like it's a trick in front of your eyes. Ostensibly, you're just watching a really large TV screen. And it was kind of weird to suddenly be transported away from my lounge room to a foreign lounge room just watching TV. Because the one difference... Because that sounds inherently just silly. But what's different is that if I've got a headset on and I'm watching the TV in this other lounge room, it means that I've actually stripped away all of my other sensors and I am... Just like slave to the screen now. Like, I'm not being distracted by a phone, which I can't see or listen to or do anything because it's outside of my helmet. I can't see my dog of whom was going around sniffing and be just generally a pain. She did start licking me at one point and the reality came crashing in. But by and large, like, the entire world was stripped away. It was just purely me focused on TV. And that was a strange experience because I haven't done that for a good 10 years. Hmm.
2: But if it's boring, they still simulate a window for you to stare out of.
1: Uh, Yeah, they do, which is fantastic. Is it very
2: much
0: like Back to the Future in the second one?
1: What was the TV experience? Wasn't it just the, like, nine box screens on the... No, no,
0: no, no. I remember they are at dinner and they were cooking the pizza and Marty Jr. and... What was he doing with glasses on? What was he watching? Him and his sister, they were
1: watching TV and stuff like that. Oh, were they? Yeah. Yeah, I remember he had glasses. I couldn't remember what was going on there. Yeah, and the. Yeah, the, I, the, I, I, presumably, just like that, he could very well have been in a Hulu room for all I know. Been. Yeah. I mean, that was 2015. So. Ooh, Ooh that's pretty close. Yeah. Crazy. But yeah, okay, so we've discussed that. Where do you think TV's going? Do you think he can predict it? So, 10 years from now, how do you think we're watching? And uh, what do you think we might be watching? I predict how long 10 years or 15 years
0: 10 we be working in a 10 year cycle with TV rove. Ooh, I reckon you're going to start seeing the dismantling of broadcast antennas in favor of broadcasting over the internet. So I reckon yeah. they'll stop using those frequencies for that and they'll use that, and they'll repurpose those that spectrum for more mobile services or
1: mobile data. Look, I think that's a pretty safe bet. 10 years, though, I would be surprised if they'd gone entirely by then. You reckon? But then again, maybe not as well. So, I mean, you have to think about that tipping point where people have moved off broadcast services to the extent where it's just no longer profitable to maintain that versus what they could be reaping in for telecommunications, selling that spectrum.
0: Mm. I mean, maybe that is within 10 years. I'm predicting in five years that new housing estates will stop. Um, installing antennas on top of their houses.
2: Well, actually, Dennis, you already have that out um, uh, towards Wynnum Way. I'm not going to name where it is because it identifies where a family member lives. Uh, there's or oh, the whole estate that doesn't have uh, antennas on the build on the builds in the last year. So most every-
1: houses, it's generally you have to put it on yourself, though, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Well, no, but there's just no. Uh, you know, you'd actually have to like do the serious work to do it uh, but everything's cabled so it's just assumed you're gonna have foxtel so unless you have foxtel your free-to-air access is uh is difficult unless you're you're moving into the streaming world
1: yeah uh simon what are you expecting for the next 10 years
2: um i do agree with the the fact that the the telcos will Pay more for the spectrum in the airways than the than the TV networks are going to be worth. Um, I don't know. I actually, my prediction is, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen next. Um, You know, I'm assuming 3D TV will still not have taken off. Like, I'm pretty sure about that. Um, Look, I suspect that the the VR headset will probably become the norm. Uh, I actually think that will become a a standard thing that's not, hey, this guy's got VR goggles. I think that will probably become uh, uh, the norm. Uh, I don't know if that's going to rob the social element of of watching television with other people in the room. Uh, But I really do think it will be the big thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if VR doesn't play a component in one's TV consumption. Whether or not it's the primary way that we're all watching, or whether there's something else at play, I'm not too sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if in ten years' time we aren't consuming TV through some sort of eyewear rather than an actual sort of screen on a wall.
2: Or, or my other ten-year prediction is that we're uh, in bunkers describing television to our children, uh, also explaining what a President Trump was as we eat the last tin of beans in existence. Yeah. That that's my other ten-year prediction.
1: Yeah, it's less of a bleak prediction than I was expecting from you.
2: Oh, you know, it's uh, it's not as bleak as that Dynasty reboot. So you know, it's.
1: So which network <laughs> or broadcaster would, would survive a nuclear holocaust? <laughs> um, I don't know. Don't cockroaches usually end up lasting longer, Dennis? So you're saying Fox? <laughs> yeah, the US Fox net. No, no, come on. Oh, I mean, I think maybe the interesting thing, because you guys are talking about the shutting off of broadcast signals, and like maybe that's a thing, like, you know, that- it seems feasible. Um, I guess maybe the questions that we'd be looking out for is which Australian broadcaster would be more inclined to want to see that switch off happen first. And I think it's just interesting seeing the way that uh, the networks have been embracing digital, particularly over this last year, where you are seeing like nine and seven have made really concerted efforts to start um, merging their business towards more of an online delivery. Uh, whether they've been wholly successful or not really is a matter of opinion that a lot of people sort of bandy around. But, you know, they're certainly making those efforts. Um, ABC and SBS are both sort of quite invested in uh, online digital delivery. Uh, 10 seems a little bit more reluctant than the other guys, but they are playing in that space. Mm.
2: Maybe, though, it is a bit short-sighted, because in this 10-year period, though, we did have the switch to digital, the reduction in the amount I
1: switched of- to- I like switch off of analog. The switch off, we sort of yeah. switch on of digital. No, not like the switch
2: on of digital because we already had that uh, digital before we started, but no, the switch off of analog and the restacking of digital so that all of the broadcast networks were now actually using this very narrow band of um, uh, of the airspace. So, you know, in the next 10 years, could there actually be a an even further rationalization or the move to a format that uses an even smaller segment of uh, the, the airways so that this kind of, the price of what that bandwidth is worth uh, stops being the kind of the major factor.
1: Funny. Now, I mean, I think the one thing that we need to consider here is the regional versus metro divide. And so, while we're talking about the idea of online delivery, what's happening in the regional areas? Will we necessarily see broadband penetrations to the point where they can sustain broadcast services, or is that still a fantasy I don't in ten know. years? Elon Musk, done, space? With- I'd, I'd like to think that'll be
0: fine. Yeah. Well, I think the NBN should be pretty much complete in the like, next five years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know we're yes. laughing at that one, but that um, me laughing.
0: yeah, depends how that all goes. There is some investment, a lot of investment in that there. Oh, the, yeah, I'm yeah. saying that 5G is just around the corner. They're doing 5G mobile um, uh, trials for the 2018 Commonwealth Games. I think Tosha's doing that one. So yeah, no, I saw something about that. It's very, uh, it's promising. Yeah, and Vodafone did some trials and they were doing, what was it? 50 movies in 10 seconds or something like that could download in high def. Yeah, that's the one I saw. Yeah, I thought it was pretty impressive.
1: Mm. And um, Hey we'll- guys, let's let's move off from uh, the hardware and distribution of TV and talk about what we've been watching over the last 10 years. So just for a bit of context, when we started the program, The Sopranos were still on the air. Mm. And that feels like generations ago TV-wise.
0: Yeah, it's been a long time.
1: Yeah. Um, things that were on the air at the time, The Sopranos was on the air. The Wire had just sort of started, I think. Oh, no, sorry. The Wire started in, what, 2004? So, yeah, that was already midway through. Yeah. 2006? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Don't forget, um, The West Wing was closing down or finishing about then. Yeah, it was in its final season at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of definitely sort of the shift over. But I wanted to flag the question with you. We've been doing this for 10 years. In the last 10 years, what do you think are the standout TV shows? So, like, what are your favourites from this last 10-year period? Simon, we'll go with you first.
2: Um, Well, a show that actually has a um a running kind of period of time of similar length to this podcast, actually, uh, uh Mad Men. Which I think started in what 2007, finally wrapped up last year. I think you know when you talk about debates about quality and uh, you know modern television. I think Mad Men is the show you kind of need to say that was the 2007 to 2015 uh, show of shows. Um, that you know, I, I I don't. I've begun to hate the phrase quality drama now, the fact that it's this kind of uh, aimed for uh, uh, genre in itself. But I think Mad Men is really representing the kind of the TV that we watched uh, during this time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I honestly believe that there has been no better TV show than Mad Men. And it's also my favourite show. Like, I just, like even after it's been, what I like, a big year now since the show went off the air, nothing's really replaced it in my heart. Like, it's still... Still Mad Men. Oh, no,
2: definitely. And another show that's these kind of long, uh, serialized, designed for binging on DVD originally and now probably stream. I'd also have to say Dexter as well, although I do have a problematic relationship with that show. I think uh, Dexter is another good representative of the, the shows we were watching.
0: That was on my list, but I took that off. And what I put instead was things like True Blood, I thought True Blood was um, – was um, I enjoyed that series
1: from 2008 to 2014. Okay. Now, Dennis, we'll get to your list in a second because I just want to hear Simon list his so. thing out. I'd hate to dilute the <laughs> viewpoints of each of us. Okay. Okay. Okay because I'd hate for the confusion for people to walk away from this thinking, yeah, both Dennis and Dan actually agreed Dexter was a decent TV show because I would never like to be in that position.
2: No, and see, I now don't think it was a decent TV show because it just burnt me so hard. I've retroactively removed all the pleasure it gave from me, from my
1: memory. Hey, Um, look, you still added it on the list until you decided to get in groupthink and go, oh no, the group doesn't like this program. You know what? This is
2: is a perfect (laughs) representation of, of TV of this time we've been talking. Um, I actually had Game of Thrones on my list, and I struck it off and replaced it with The Good Wife, um, which I think as well is, you know, that there are still ensemble kind of story kind of, what would you say, that thing where it's not the Story of the week. What's the name of that kind of show?
1: Like a, a serialized program. Yeah,
2: a serialized program like The Good Wife. Um, that you know, that you actually had broadcast television in the US doing this really, really good show. Um, and I've also got on my list the 2012 six-episode uh, mini-series, a uh, hit and miss with Chloe Sevigny. Really, some- you put that on your
1: list? I put that I mean, it's on my okay, list, but.
2: No, nah, it was really good, and it's actually there was something haunting that stayed with you uh, afterwards. I think hit and miss, pretty exceptional. I've put that on my. Maybe it's also representing all of those other six part kind of one offs or mini or just a couple of seasons that kind of the global acceptance of the the kind of the mini series. Uh, maybe it's it's representing its fellow. Uh, miniseries but I think hit and miss was bloody fantastic Uh, but then I've also put the comedy and we've talked about this many times and it's been on our year lists uh, twice now uh, is Catastrophe as well the uh, the comedy
1: yeah I mean what I find absolutely fascinating is that you put that like hit and miss of all the tv shows over the last 10 years Simon but no, no moving on from that it's surprising to me that of our lists we've both got three of the same shows in there you and I
2: well, look, it, but then we, okay, so when we first started doing the show, we actually bonded over a show. That was one of <laughs> our things. And it's on here. I was ready for this. And it was wrapping up, I think, when we started watching it. And it's the first show, like, we really connected over the show as a piece of guff. Uh, but well, it was It's terrible. Yeah, but it was What About Brian? And I think it started with (laughs) one of us just absentmindedly singing the theme song to What About Brian? And our eyes are locked across the panel, because this is back in the radio days. And yeah, What About Brian? It was just this, I don't even know what you describe it as, just stupid dramedy, um, which had... Not even the most likable characters, but there was something to it that elicited this kind of fandom around it. Um, And we spent a lot of time talking about What About Brian. I now, almost ten years later, have difficulty remembering some things about this show, but I do have the memory of talking about What About Brian.
1: I have no difficulty remembering any of it because I watched some of it not too long ago.
2: Oh, wow. Well, I will I will have to do that myself uh, too as well. Um, but yeah, that was something where I guess maybe that was the first time where I'd ever like jumped on the internet as well and gotten into discussions about a show that may or may not have actually had any merit whatsoever.
1: <laughs> that is crazy for so many reasons. Yeah. Uh, no, just quickly on my list, just because Simon overlapped so much of it. I uh, had Mad Men on there because you know, just it's it's amazing. Um, during the period we've been doing the show, uh, it started a couple of years before, but you know, definitely run for the duration. Um, The Office, and while The Office definitely had a patchy couple of seasons towards the end of it, there was just this time period where I don't think there has been a better American sitcom in quite a while. Like it was, I, I think over this ten-year period, like that's definitely a standout. Uh, more than The Office though, Parks and Recreation which while it certainly had a little bit of dodginess in those final two to three seasons, uh, seasons two through five, I think it is, like really absolutely sort of exemplary um, record of what American TV sitcoms can do. Uh, Catastrophe was on my list as well, along with The Good Wife. The Good Wife being the last good broadcast drama series. So I think there's still been some good comedies, and we're still seeing some new good comedies come through from US broadcast. But by and large, The Good Wife was like that final... Great American drama. Uh, Some other shows, just uh, before we hit Dennis's, and I've left Dennis to the end because um, when you hear Dennis's list in a moment, I think people will appreciate what we've left at the end. Uh, But I just noticed a couple of other shows which I probably would have included if I wasn't so gung-ho on my five that I picked. Um, Shows like Lost, which I was a huge fan of. You know, obviously the end, a little bit awkward, but by and large, that show really did a lot to revolutionise what an American- broadcast drama can be, Um, Black Mirror, which I think there is very few TV shows that have ever been as good as that drama series is, Um, anthology drama, Um, Louis, which I think is a fantastic sitcom, uh, obviously, in the last 10 years, Uh, Peep Show, which ran for the majority of the 10 years that we've been doing this, Uh, the current show Veep, which I think is amazing, and also The Nick, uh, the little scene Steven Soderbergh drama, and finally The Bridge, which I just think is just stellar drama and I think we'd be remiss not mentioning that. But, Dennis, I put forward the idea that we do a list of five, and you came back with a list considerably longer. And so I thought I'd throw the question to you, why is it longer?
0: I couldn't couldn't really decide. What I was trying to do, I was trying to go through each year and thinking, what was the highlight for that year? Then yeah, I abandoned it was, for it's the, your top, that top
2: five of each year. That's great.
0: <laughs> and, then, um, and then I just kept on going through, and thinking, oh, what about this one? And I kept on reminiscing about all the different shows but this was actually was pretty good as well and some things on my list are pretty crap when i think about it now but some things i'm thinking (laughs) actually no that has some real merit for example mythbusters for that period mythbusters has been a very solid stable very infotainment program that you gotta say throughout period has 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 been something that you know we've had the whole um what you call it what's what's big brother that is a
2: Reality oh, observational
0: reality. reality show, yeah. But this is the infotainment really. I think kicked off a lot more um, throughout those ten years. So we've just
1: been um, we've been watching. Would you agree? I'm not really sure that it's sort of a particularly new genre, but I do think there was a time period there where MythBusters really represented something about where we were moving as um, as a society to a certain degree. So I mean, because MythBusters wasn't just uh, being more than just like a modern day beyond 2000 kind of a show. Just mm. Some sort of elements. Um it was really sort of that DIY aesthetic, which I think that I mean, we're doing a podcast. This is something that we built ourselves, and you know, we were able to take full control of it. And I think Mythbusters came around at a time where people wanted to build things themselves, where people wanted to explore the limits of what you can do with uh, just a few things from your garage effectively. Yeah, fair enough.
0: I think that was very influential. And a lot of people did a lot of people love that show.
1: Yeah, you can I, I think do, it was very
0: reflective of the time period. Then you can extend that, obviously, to um, you know Top Gear, which I wasn't very into, but not a lot of people are into that Top Gear type of style. Do you want me to go through my list and just say yeah? yeah let's just, let's just do it so we can laugh at the first one on your list. Sorry, second one on your list. I know you're going to laugh at that one, but it's been influential. <laughs> but
1: still. is it influ- influential to you though? Oh, I still like it.
0: Right, let's go. Let's just go from the more. Okay, one. let's do it. Okay. Um, in terms of cartoons, Avatar. I thought that was a very good series from Nickelodeon, even down to Cora. Um, um, I really enjoyed like, that. So
1: Cora being the spinoff series, correct? Um, yeah. Anything? You like that one? No, no, that's it's fine. Should I skip the next one? <laughs>
2: no, do the next one, Dennis. <laughs> no,
0: no. You put it on the list, man. Okay. Listen, a lot of people like this show, and it, and it is one of those just bake and watch and eat.
1: Okay. Now, Dennis, this is your favourite list. Let's not bring everyone else in the world into this one. <laughs> the, don't laugh at me. The Big Bang Theory. Come hey, we're on. not laughing at you. We're judging you.
2: Do you know what, uh, Dan, though? <laughs> there is actually an interesting thing you about,
0: about the... Don't give me this <laughs> shit. I remember in 2007 when this damn show came out, you guys sat your ass on the damaged couch and watched this for two seasons at least. At least for two seasons. Yeah, fine enough afterwards you thought it was a piece of shit but at least for the first season you watched it and you sat there and you watched every single episode, and then you passed
1: judgment. But you watched Okay, now, I was waiting for you to just finish ranting and I was going to jump in here. I will concede that the beginning of The Big Bang Theory, I think I watched that first season in a bit, and second season had just kind of lost me a little. Um, you know, it was different. I think it was kind of that last gasp of a traditional sitcom. Uh, I, was- yeah.
2: I was actually going to say, because in my thinking of the last few years that the you know these big tv phenomena don't occur in the same way anymore and i was going to say you know it used to be friends and now it's totally different it's game of thrones but i actually think big bang theory should be mentioned because it is a big global you know, multi camera uh, set kind of sitcom that is still a television uh, phenomenon. It's not all, you know, you lost or your Game of Thrones. There are still these huge, everybody watches uh, sitcoms. You yeah, know, they- but when,
1: we're not actually discussing the big shows that have dominated the last 10 years. We're talking about our favorite shows, the ones well, that have meant something to us.
2: I think but if, you, if you like shows that were representative of the period of time, it's, you know, if that's what's your favourite, I guess.
1: No? Yeah, if, maybe. That's, if that's what we were discussing, but we're not
0: we're talking about our favourite shows. Okay, well, I'm going to skip the next one because I, I liked it again for the first season and a bit, uh, which was Californication. And the only reason I put that yeah. one in there was I loved that first scene when I watched it on Channel 10 and that whole thing about in the church.
1: That got me where it's like, bang, my mind exploded. Yeah, no, you're right. It was-, it, it was shocking and it was really rock and roll. It was kind of like punk TV for like the first few episodes. Yeah. You were seeing stuff that you hadn't really watched on TV before. So in terms of that, for that period, I really enjoyed
0: that. But then it went mm. to crap.
1: Yeah. True Blood. And I, mean, I think it had a few gasps here and there of doing something interesting and fun. But yeah, the show never quite knew what to do with it. Yeah. True Blood. I thought
0: True Blood, yeah, definitely. I enjoyed that. I didn't watch the last couple of um, seasons, but the beginning
1: part I really liked as well. And I got into it. Now, I I find the next inclusion on your list somewhat um, puzzling. Really? Just the favourite shows from the last 10 years, and you came up with this one. Well, just because (laughs) (laughs) it it came back this year, so the X-Files. So, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think there's one amazing episode in that six-episode run, but then there's the rest of it. Really? You thought it was all poo-poo? Yeah, largely. In fact, there's a television a televised revolution podcast dedicated to myself and a guy named David Owen largely trashing at least five of the six episodes.
0: Oh, uh, it's the X Files. He can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I think we did. Oh <laughs> um, uh, the next one, meh. Uh, again, I got into it the first two to three seasons and I dropped out Glee. And that was a big rise of the whole um, you know, uh what's it called? What, what's sound of music? That is a musical musical Musical. thank you (laughs) god thank you i need a cue add in
2: (laughs) what are those Um, shows that have music in them you know the music ones (laughs)
0: music ones and then i had one family it's again that sort of style of um big bang theory archer i really like archer i love that cartoon i keep on watching it i keep on watching repeats on the comedy channel love it and even the new stuff even better have you been watching any new stuff lately Uh, No, I've only seen maybe the first season or two of it. Yeah, no,
1: Archer, it keeps getting strength to strength and just keeps on going off the wall further, and I love it. No, this I understand. Uh, Your next one I thought was interesting because all the best episodes of this was well before we started the podcast. Yeah, but the thing was, when they got to the last two seasons,
0: talking about going off the wall, they did some really weird and bizarre um, episodes. Like that Gender Bender one. You should actually say what it is, Dennis. Sorry? What is the show? Futurama, sorry, Futurama. I forgot to say, Futurama. Um, and then those last bits, because that went, went to Comedy Channel, didn't it? Yeah, or Comedy Central. Comedy Central, sorry. Um, and I thought they were quite, they were odd. And, you know, they had some, you know, big moments where you're going, what the hell's going on here? Sort of worked, sort of didn't work at the same time, but it was okay. So I'll put that in there. Game of Thrones, that just, just goes without saying. What else can I say? Um, actually, I'm going to ditch
1: this one. I, what, what what else can you say? Maybe thank you for myself and Simon on this here podcast telling you to watch it for many seasons. Maybe. Maybe.
0: We'll see. <laughs> um, I'm going to ditch this one because, meh. Nah, nah, I sort of watched it then didn't get into it. I, this is Orange is the New Black. I don't know if you guys got into it further than the first season, but no. Nah. Uh, Broad City. I really like Broad City. You know, yeah. I think they're hilarious. That's funny. I love that cop type of comedy. The whole the the one with the um Whole Foods episode, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, it was great. Stranger Things, that's because it's just it's just started, but I love that stuff. Um so 2016, new stuff this year. How could I get one of my all old-time favorites? The Simpsons. The Simpsons would always have to be there. Even if it's in the middle of my list, you know, I can't get rid of that. The Simpsons is who I am. And it's been there for what twenty six seasons, twenty nine years. Yeah, exactly. Long it's time.
2: A, it's about to break. What is it? Six hundred episodes, and it's coming up after uh, Gunsmoke's record. So that really. Sorry, it,
1: Simon. Do you want to think through that number for briefly?
2: Was it six hundred?
1: No, five hundred. Five hundred. The five hundred. Dan, what is it? It is six hundred. It is six hundred. <laughs> yeah. Um, are they doing a VR a VR um, episode? Uh, there's some sort of tie into VR. It won't be a full VR episode, oh, okay? Because you know, broadcast TV.
0: Yep, um, South Park definitely. That's always been there in terms of they. They've always just been consistently good. I think from all the episodes. So South Park, um, Rick and Morty. Are you guys a fan of this show? I love this show. That's fine.
2: yep no, Rick and Morty is hilarious, and it's one of my faves.
0: Yep, love that. Um, they get into a bit something a bit more serious. Um. Obviously, because I've been growing up, you know, getting older, like Dan keeps on reminding me all the time. um, These shows have become more important in my life. Things like Grand Designs and Grand Designs Australia. And I love
1: those shows. Um, Other things becoming important in his life. Prunes. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking thinking about a funeral plot. Right. Um,
0: Selling, Selling Houses Australia. Definitely, I'll put that in there. Um, last week tonight, cause I keep on watching that over and over again. I love it. I love, um, John Oliver. This is a bit controversial. The reason why back when we started doing the actual, uh, a while ago when it started up the project in the beginning, it just didn't do so well, but it's now, um, you know, it's been a big staple for channel 10 from. Yeah.
1: But is this a favorite show of yours, Dennis? I'm very confused by parts things on your list. <laughs> I
2: think this it list is, is just things of- Dennis remembers.
1: Yeah, I can't feel it is. It is that it's remembered.
0: Actually, this one definitely is in my, in my I do like and I do love. Well, I thought this entire list was definitely things that you love. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, good game. Given that they've had their 10 years, pretty much good games start at the same time, Dan, that you started the podcast, more or less.
1: Uh, no, we've been doing a little bit longer than Good Game, I think. You must have done it at the beginning of the year because Good Game started in September. Actually, no, no, sorry. just had a 10-year anniversary because I just interviewed them about it. Yeah, September so, yeah. 19th nineteenth was their 10 years they started. Yeah, so we might just barely sort of um, tip these guys.
0: Yeah, they've been great. I love Good Game. Yeah, they had the controversy in the beginning, but it's been good. Um, Eurovision, can't get past that. If you're the one, eh, scratch that. Um, not. Nah, it's not on my list. That was maybe the one thing on the list I could really get behind. Yeah, but, you know. Ninja <laughs> Warrior. Can't get on that. I like that one. And even the US one as well. I don't mind that. Um, this one's interesting. The reason why is because SBS Pop Asia, I thought it was very interesting for you know SBS to create a music show. Back in the day, you talked about that, how music shows were all dying. But this one sort of popped up in terms of the sort of, you know, j-pop k-pop and things like that and my nieces go nuts for sbs pop asia and i really enjoy it on um on
1: sunday mornings yeah when that show launched i thought the really cool thing like on the weekend of its launch was it happened a week after that gotten rid of video hits on channel 10 mm. so it's kind of like this sort of changing of the guard to a certain degree where we said goodbye to the generically awful music videos we've been waking up and watching for like you know, the last 20 years or so previously and moved into the sort of influx of Asian culture into Australia and actually embraced SBS Pop Asia. Yeah. So that's on my list.
2: But isn't it, isn't it more that, you know, we can no longer manufacture anything in this country and we import it from overseas?
1: Oh, well, I think it's fine because we just stopped importing stuff from the US and UK oh, that's and good. instead got yeah. some good culture with SBS Pop Asia.
2: You know, it's just, you know, I'm sorry there's no like Mona or whatever on video hits.
1: Hey, Mona. Hmm. From check, uh, I'm trying to think of Craig McLaughlin's band.
2: Check one, check two, one, eight, two, check
1: yeah. one, eight, two. Yeah, but that's not even like a Craig McLaughlin check one, two song. It was like a cover. Uh, yeah, no, was... it's
2: just all I can think of when I think Australian popular music.
1: Yeah, and that's reasonable. Um, I had right, this list is going
0: on forever. Come on, let's I don't know, through like this. That. SBS Insight Heroes, and the last two that I threw on my list was Um Spicks and Specs, Yeah. But really, how can I forget IT crowd? I cannot get enough of the IT crowd. I thought that was great. So I'll put that on my list as well.
1: Yeah. And I'm done. Wow. You know, I didn't even see the IT crowd on your list. You're just adding things like just uh, willy-nilly There was now. a
2: follow-up email because his first list wasn't long enough. <laughs> Yeah, look look I think your top five like I started to lose interest at about number 30 or 40 uh, but by <laughs> number 60 I was back into it
1: <laughs> oh, this entire well, list has really been well, indicative I mean, of the TV Ruff podcast.
0: Can I just say this list is like the sh- it's like a Stockholm syndrome you get in you then start to understand your cap doors and then you keep on going with it.
1: That's how it works yeah. Which is probably the time where we start talking about the fine people that have been regularly listening to the Televised Revolution podcast. Now, I've seen the numbers. They've always been, you know, fairly healthy. Uh, But there's been a couple of people of whom have been very vocal in regularly communicating with us, regularly talking to us over the years. Um, Some of them we've met. Some of them just stalk me because they live in the same suburb as I do. And I'll be walking past with the dogs and they get a message from Mad Cat Joe every so often going, hey, Dan, stay clear of this area. There's snakes this weekend. That's very uh, helpful. You know, I mean, it is helpful, but, you know, just come and say hi sometimes, Joe. Just say hi.
2: You know, if she didn't like the podcast, she'd have let you walk into the snakes. So, that's- that, That's know. a good point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, there have been a bunch of people we've met over the years and sort of well-wishers and all sorts of people. So, people that I thought I'd just like to mention, uh, Mad Cat Joe, you know, she seems very nice, uh, warned me about the snakes. Uh Woo. Daniel Graham Rose is obviously a big one. Um, Evan Davis, uh, regular listener. Um, Simon, anyone else coming to mind for you?
2: Um, oh, gosh, there's probably too many to mention because you pick picked so many up over the years. Uh, like, if we're going to go way back, there was what? Uh, oh, God, think of a name. Hannah Hillhouse? Yeah. Was, there was well, that who other I guy. I've
1: into to Sydney a few weeks ago.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. And then there was that other guy.
1: Who, who? I've forgotten his name. Yeah, there's always Evan. Who else? Quite a few. There are quite a few. But anyway, like, there is obviously the main, we'll call them main offenders. Uh, Also, just general sort of well wishes. So, people like Spencer Howson, who's always been a very sort of vocal fan of the program and, you know, always uh, has some kind things to say via DM every so often. Uh, Who else have we got here? Um, I'd like to say some thanks to people of whom have been involved with being on air as part of the podcast. So I mentioned him sort of towards the top of the show, but again, I just want to have a very big thank you to Chris Yates, of whom the two of us started out this podcast at the very beginning. Uh, other people that have been participants along the way, um, Dave Owen and Prue Martin, both of them have put in God knows how many hours of doing various TV Rev-related podcasts. Um, Eddie Noafe, who jumped in a couple of times uh, when I was in Brisbane, and Simon and Dennis couldn't help out. Um, Sarah Ward, uh, who else I got here? Um, Jennifer Knight, uh, and also there's these two jokes. I probably should thank at some point here. Uh, Simon Band and Dennis G Um, your attendance has been appreciated.
2: Oh, you're more than welcome. So, so maybe TV isn't the thing this year. Maybe it's friendship.
1: Oh God, let's not go too crazy. <laughs> Gross. Uh, Yeah, Now, one of the things that I thought I just wanted to sort of um, flag is maybe just talking about the uh, medium that we're on podcasting. Because this is one thing that's uh, maybe a bugbear that's been sort of annoying me for the last 10 years. And I kind of want to go out on this maybe. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And one of the things I come across regularly is podcasters asking for people to donate to their shows. They can keep the lights on, all this sort of thing. Now, I've got no problem with advertising. Okay, I think that's really quite cool uh, because essentially podcasts, as far as I'm concerned, should be a free medium, really is the um, integrity of what the internet promised initially, but really delivered as a product for people to consume for free. What really annoys me is when people are asking for money for their programs, and the reality with most podcasts is people use them to build and launch careers. People use it as a platform to spring off and do something else. Or the most pure thing with podcasts is that it's kind of just fun doing them. For the three of us, I mean, I've managed to use the podcast and televised revolution to actually springboard towards a kind of career that I'm interested in doing. By and large, the thing that I really like doing is the fact that it gives me an hour every week to talk to friends um, about, you know, stuff that I enjoy. So, I just wanted to say, like, if you listen to a podcast and are asking for money, ignore those jerks because the whole reason why you do a podcast is to information share, is to spend time doing something that you really enjoy doing. The podcast itself is its own reward.
2: Yeah, hear, here, Dan. Hear. Mm, hear, yeah, you hear. could also send me money, but also, I totally agree. <laughs> with you. Nope. Um, no, do? you know, because I think we do this, and it's a kind of it's a podcast that maybe we'd like to listen to ourselves, like we have made a thing that we would like, that, you know, I don't do it for any other purpose because, boy, howdy, I ain't springboarded shit off of this, let alone a career. (laughs) Um, You know, it's something where I like doing it. I don't actually care if, you know, I'm informing people, honestly. Uh, I just make a show that I would like to listen to. It's something that I like. So, that's its motivation.
1: Yeah, now, Dennis can't really say the same thing because he's never listened to this program. I I have. I listen to it now, don't I? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, it has been fun doing this program with you. And it's also been fun talking to the people of whom do listen to it and get something out of it. So, you know, thank you world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And with that, shall we wind this thing up? Um, Folks, this has been televised revolution. This is the end of the podcast, but there's a good chance it'll be back in some form somewhere down the track. So let's not rule that out entirely. Should you unsubscribe from this feed? Maybe. But, you know, keep on following us on Twitter if that's still around when this does revive back in some form one day. Um, so, find us on Twitter, TV underscore Rev. Of course, check out the website, televisedrevolution.com, and there will be stuff still happening through that. We have a Facebook group where people of whom like the podcast and like talking about TV all day are regularly talking to one another. And you can find that at facebook.com. It's a popular website. I Just do a search for the Televised Revolution group. You'll find it quite easily. And yeah, join the group, have chats about TV. And that group, it ain't going nowhere. Uh, What else do we do? Uh, Website, Facebook group, Twitters. I think that's about it. Now comes the time where we promote ourselves and our own online presences. Uh, Simon Band, where do people find you?
2: You can find me at Simon Band or
0: thesimonband.com.
1: Indeed. Uh, Dennis Gigantic, you are on the Twitter?
0: Yes, I am. You can get me at d d AOS or Instagram, I think, at d d AOS
1: as well. Oh, Instagram. That's the first time you've mentioned that one. I know. Weird. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> or if you want to follow uh, my dog, go to
0: omgleo2510. <laughs>
1: no way was that awkward. No, weird. <laughs> but he's got an adorable dog and, yeah, well worth following. Uh, People can find me on the Twitters, and that's at the Dan Barrett. Uh, But again, I just stress Televised Revolution, TV underscore Rev, or televisedrevolution.com. Follow us. We ain't going nowhere. Uh, And also, just final thing, uh, we started doing this sort of together as a group collectively uh, through Triple Z. They do community radio broadcasting out of Brisbane. It's an organization which, much the same way I was talking about podcasting, Uh, One of the great things with community radio isn't so much that you've got the specific messages you want to get out to the world, and that's certainly part of it, but community broadcasting is a really rad thing because it gives a lot of people something to do. It's a shared purpose. It's a hobby. People get passionate about it. And the overall thing is it's a community thing for like-minded people to get along and contribute together. And I think there should be more opportunities for that kind of thing out in the world and particularly thanks to Triple Z, they do broadcast this program every Thursday night on Z Digital, their digital um, station. If you've been listening to us on Z Digital, or if you even live in a Brisbane area and do listen to Triple Z services, do donate to them because unlike a podcast, which is fairly cheap to be able to produce and distribute, they are a broadcaster. It costs them quite a fair bit of money. Um, winding this out, this has been Televised Revolution. Big thank you to Dennis Gigantic. Big thank you to Simon Band. My name's Dan Barrett. Um farewell, goodbye, Amen.